Well, I hope that you're having a wonderful day as you join us on our continued walk through the Bible for 2021. Um, we are on week eight this week and kind of in the meat of the book of Leviticus and kind of the middle of the book of Hebrews as well. And I think it was really neat to see those two books um, put side by side as you read through them, as you look at all the requirements that God had for priests in the Old Testament, and I think we kind of get the feeling that those are impossible requirements to keep. Um, and then we see that Jesus Christ is the perfect fulfillment of both the law and the prophets, and that he is the one who has come as our high priest to specifically and uniquely fulfill that role in a perfect way. And so I want to look at a few passages through our reading this week. I'd like to start in Psalm. It's been a couple weeks since we've done that. We're going to look at Psalm 111 together, and then we're going to look through a little bit of our reading in Leviticus, and then a passage in Hebrews as well. But I'd like to just pray for our time together um, today, wherever you're at. If you just pause for a moment um, as we pull our Bibles out and study God's Word together, I want to ask that He would work in our heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your Word, Lord, and to dig in to your Word as we're reminded this week, um, as mature believers do, Lord, as we as we get better at the practice of knowing you and, and studying your Word and knowing your Word, I just pray that you would bless this time. I pray that all who hear and study your Word would be blessed at the hearing of that and that you would just work in our lives as your people people that you have called out to be holy, to be set apart, and you have given us an instruction manual to do that, Lord, and so we are just grateful for that. I pray that this time would be a blessing and that you would work in our hearts and our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I would like to get started in Psalm 111 this week, and I just want to read this. It's only 10 verses to us, but it's a reminder to us of how great our God is. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nation. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. You know, verse 2 of Psalm 111 here just gives us a little bit of insight into, I think, some of why God has all the requirements in the book of Leviticus. It says, Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. It's a reminder to us that God's greatness was displayed in his calling his people out of Egypt. And he called them out for a purpose. He didn't call them out just to save them, just to let them do whatever they want. No, he called them out to sanctify them and to make them 
holy, to make them a separate nation unto himself. And as you read through the end of the book of Leviticus, you hear it time and time again, I am the Lord, I am holy, I am God. You are called out to be set apart as I am set apart. And a big way that we do that are is by remembering the works of the Lord and remembering that they are great and that we study them and we delight in them. You know, we should delight in the change that has happened in our life when we have been called from the darkness to the light, when we have been changed from dead to living through the power of Jesus Christ, we should study the works of the Lord and remind ourselves how good he is to us. You know, verse 4 goes on in Psalm 111 there and says, He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. I don't know why, but it's so easy for us to get sidetracked. It's so easy for us to forget what we are supposed to be doing. And so we need to look back and remember those wondrous works that the Lord has done in us. And then we're reminded at the end of that psalm, um, again, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And all those who practice it have good understanding. All those who practice that fear of the Lord, who recognize that he is far above us, that he is far beyond anything we could say, or we could do. And when we practice that remembrance of the fear of the Lord, then we have a good understanding. We have a good understanding of life. We have a good understanding of our role in that and how God wants us to be called out as his people. His praise endures forever. That should be the song of our lips. That should be the meditation of our heart, that his praise endures forever. I'd like to just take a a few minutes and look through a couple of the chapters in the end of Leviticus in our reading there. And, you know, we got past the the requirements for sacrifices, and all those different requirements, I think, just point us to the fact that God is so gracious in sending Jesus Christ to us. You get requirements for sin sacrifices, you get requirements for guilt offerings, you get requirements for peace offerings, you get requirements for wave offerings offerings, and there were very specific rules about how those things should be brought to the Lord. That's because the Lord is holy, because he is far beyond us. And we talked a little bit last week about the tabernacle and how that was God's plan to have a place where he could meet with sinful people. You know, the only way he can do that is through some very specific requirements, because he is a holy God, and we are not. We are not. And so God lays out these different rules and regulations, and we get some of those in the book of Leviticus about how we can come and, or how the people in the Old Testament could come and approach him, and we are so blessed to be able to approach God through the blood of Jesus Christ, to approach his throne boldly, the the book of Hebrews reminds us, because of what Jesus has done in offering a permanent sacrifice for us. Well, as you turn to the book of Leviticus, I would like to draw your attention to Leviticus 16 to start. And that is a description of the Day of Atonement. And this is just a wonderful picture for us in the Old Testament of God's grace and how he um, continues to, to show himself to his people. And, you know, we get this description here that they are to bring 
two offerings for the Lord's two goats, and that Aaron is supposed to cast lots. And um, first of all, he presents the bull as an offering for himself, and then he casts lots on those two goats, and to see which one will be sacrificed and which one would be the scapegoat that is sent into the wilderness. And we can understand the need for the um, the guilt offering in the goat. We just read through that in the book of Leviticus, and we've seen how our sin needs that to be um, made right with God. But God in his grace and mercy here shows his people that not only is he a holy God who needs to um, be approached in the right way, you know that he deserves our, our repentance, he's also showing us that he is a gracious God and that when we approach him in the correct way, he is going to forget our sins and send them out. In verse 21 it says this in Leviticus 16, and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat <clears throat> and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. He shall put them on the head of the goat and he shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness." Can you just picture what's happening here? All of the people of Israel have gathered before the tabernacle. All of those people have come to again atone for their sins, to recognize their need to make sacrifice, to remember again that they are sinful people in the presence of a holy God. And God makes the way for that to happen. After that sacrifice is offered, then their, their high priest, Aaron, he takes his hands and he places them on that goat and he confesses the sins of the people. And I think we can imagine when that list is read, how that feels when our sin is placed on that goat. The specific things that we have done that separate us from God. When those are, are read out loud, when they are confessed before the other people, that those are then placed on that live goat, that scapegoat, the one that's going to be sent away. And can we then imagine how it feels to see that goat bear our iniquities, to take them away from us? As we watch that man who is waiting at the ready, it says, and we've got this picture here of a, of a runner who is ready to take that goat and to go as fast as he can away from the people with those sins that have been carried by this goat, the iniquities, the transgressions that have been placed on them. And that goat shall bear their iniquities into a remote area to be left, to be remembered no more. Friends, what a beautiful picture of what Christ does for us. What an absolutely beautiful picture of how our sins, yours and mine, the things that we do, the specific things that separate us from God are carried by Jesus Christ and are remembered no more. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. So you get that, and then as you continue on through the book of Leviticus, you get a real description of why we are to be set apart, why we are to be holy, or how we're to do that, rather. And we're to do that because the Lord himself is holy. Leviticus 19 verses 2 and 3, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall all keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord 
your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourself any gods of cast metal eye and the Lord your God. And he goes on through that chapter and he describes just how we often turn our heart away from the Lord and how we should return to him. We shall keep his statutes. And we should keep those things because God has called us out for a purpose. And I think so often when we read through the Old Testament, we read through the book of Leviticus, we think, man, there was just a lot of rules. God must be really into rule keeping. You know what God is really into? He's really into his people making his name great. He's really into his people showing the rest of the world that we know a holy and righteous God. And we know that this world is not our home and that we know that we should be set apart. We should be different from the sin that is in this world because we know a holy God, one who has taken our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities and placed them on himself and he has removed them from us. What a great reminder for us. Now, as you look through the rest of the book of Leviticus there, you get just this description of how a holy God wants his people to be holy in the midst of a sinful world and a sinful generation. You know, Psalm 111, what we just looked at, talks about us remembering the works of the Lord. And as I read through Leviticus 23, I was just struck by how much of the calendar year for the people of Israel was devoted to remembering the works of the Lord. I did not count all the days. I didn't count all the different times that they would have stopped what they were doing when they would have done no regular work, is what the, the text there says in Leviticus 23. And they would have simply remembered what God had done for them. They were to do that in different ways. They were to do that through different times of rest, through different feasts, through different celebrations, through different times of lament, through different times of, of staying in tents, remembering what they had done or what God had done for them in the wilderness. Their life was centered, that was supposed to be centered around them remembering what the Lord has done. And I don't know about you, but I was convicted by that, that I probably need to do a little bit more of that in my life. Finding ways to structure myself in order to point me back to remembering what the Lord has done. Well, I'd like to finish our time here together this morning by looking at the book of Hebrews. And I would like to just point us to one verse in Hebrews chapter 7. In Hebrews chapter 7, the writer of the book of Hebrews here points us to the fact that Jesus is a high priest on the order of Melchizedek. And that's a whole study in and of itself and an interesting one at that. But as we see Melchizedek approach Abraham in the Old Testament, we see that really he is the first priest. He is the one that comes unsolicited and Abraham recognizes that and recognizes who he is and that he is worthy to be honored. And so he's likened, um, Jesus is likened to Melchizedek in the New Testament and that he is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek is what Hebrews chapter 7 tells us there. I just want to point us to the fact um, that Jesus Christ is uniquely, uniquely situated to be our high priest and that he has done something so wonderful for us. 
In Hebrews 7, verse 22, says this, This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. Jesus himself, he has taken away the need for all of those laws in the book of Leviticus. Those laws point us to our need for a Savior. They point us to our sin. They point us to the fact that we are separated from God. But, but, through the work of Jesus, done once and for all at the cross, we no longer have to rely on earthly priests to offer earthly sacrifices for our earthly sins because what Jesus has done is made a better sacrifice. He has made an eternal sacrifice sacrifice. He has taken care of our earthly sins and made our eternity right with God if we would look to him and we would trust him as our Lord and Savior. And Hebrews 7.22 reminds us that Jesus alone is the guarantor of that better covenant. And that's a covenant that God promised to those who would know him. One where he would write his word, his law on our hearts, and he would change us from the inside out so that we could go and that we could live for him. And as you read through the book of Hebrews here, and as you read through the book of Leviticus, I think we we see some similarities from the nations that were surrounding Israel to the nation that surrounds us. We've seen that there are just some, some really awful things that are pointing us away from the Lord that are happening all around us. I think that's encouraging because there's, there's nothing new under the sun. We, we look at the, the pain around us and the brokenness around us and we think that um, things are just continually getting worse. Sin is sin. And sin has been drawing people away from God ever since Adam and Eve chose to disobey God in the garden. And it will continue to do that until Jesus Christ, the guarantor of a better covenant, one that is written on the hearts of his people, comes back and calls us home. And so as we we look at all those things that are happening around us, we need to absolutely keep in mind that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for those sins. And our responsibility is not necessarily to yell and to holler about them. Our responsibility is not to get mad and to get upset. Our responsibility is to humbly point people towards the fact that their sin requires a sacrifice just like yours and mine does and that Jesus Christ was that sacrifice and that when we trust in him we are trusting in a better covenant we are trusting in the finished work of a savior and because of that we can boldly approach his throne as his followers well thank you so much for joining us this week once again and I hope that you'll be back with us next week when we dig into week nine of our walk through the Bible. Have a great day.